Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of a modern monocle. Stopping the copyright police from pulling the wall on us. Painting and taking on all the plates and paint and troll. Document the ways that they aim to take control. Scrutinize and do their lies and make them fall. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. It is January, uh, so you know that CES, or you should know that CES just happened at the beginning of the month and as has become something of a tradition here at the Tech Dirt Podcast. It is time for our annual CES wrap-up uh, with reporter Rob Pegarero. Um, there is one difference, however. Uh, this year, I did not go to CES. Uh, while I Everybody had... was asking about you, man. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I think I had a pretty good streak going uh, somewhere in the range of 10 to 12 years in a row. I completely lost count um, this year for a variety of reasons. I wasn't able to make it to Las Vegas with whatever, 200,000 of my closest friends. <laughs> so uh, my role in this year's podcast is to be the completely ignorant one. <laughs> uh, I did follow some of the news coming out of CES, but I will say that it is quite different uh, picking up on a few stories here and there versus actually attending um, and, uh, and and making your way around the many, many different show floors and seeing what's actually going on there. Um, but uh, Rob was actually there because Rob uh, never, ever misses CES. He has gone for... Every year from 98 on, I... I, I Need to seek professional help for this condition, I think. <laughs> yes. Uh, I assume that you will be there every January, uh, basically, until the end of time itself. Um, so uh, uh, let's start with the basics. How was CES this year? It was good. You know, it's every year, this show, it kind of half destroys my holiday season. It's it's a pain. It's expensive. The logistics are horrible. Like, seriously, there's no other event I go to, which is more difficult to get around. Yes. But I learn a lot. I meet a bunch of people. I get a much better sense of what the industry thinks is important and what it doesn't seem to think is important. Uh, I come home with a full notebook, hopefully not a cold. For once, I managed <laughs> that this year. And yeah, it, it's worthwhile. It's hard work. I, I guess... I got the hardest business trip of the year out of the way already. <laughs> That's what I'm telling myself. Yeah. So, so all right. So what does the industry think is important this year? So let's start with TVs. And there's one okay. thing that everyone emphasized and two things it either they either barely talked about or didn't talk about. The thing they did talk about at length is 8K resolution, okay. which, you know, I still have friends saying, really? 8K is a thing? <laughs> yes, listeners, 8K is a thing. Uh, that's... You know, former resolution than merely 4K, you need a gigantic set to discern it. Realistically, 75 inches, although you see people saying it'll work on 55 inches. <laughs> those are the folks who want you to pay extra for a 40-inch 4K <laughs> on which you will not see those extra pixels. I don't get it. Um, there's no content for it. Uh, uh -huh. The most anybody could point to was, well, YouTube supports it. <laughs> My sarcastic tweet was, well, well no AK is taken off when the Nazis on YouTube adopt it. Um, <laughs> you know, Amazon, oh, Netflix, they don't seem to be moving that way. There is talk that, you know, a lot of the, the Olympics will be at least shot in 8K. How much of you mm -hmm. you'll be able to watch? I don't know. Otherwise, it's all up converting. Uh, from a personal stance, 
I don't care. I'm speaking to you from a house that'll turn 100 years old sometime this this year. Uh, I couldn't fit an AK set unless I like <laughs> duct taped it to the ceiling of the living room, I guess. Uh, so that would be an interesting viewing experience. <laughs> well, I have to get rid of the the light fixture there too. So, like, no, I don't care. <laughs> don't try to sell this to me. Well, and, I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, TVs at CES is always a thing, right? There's always a, yeah. a huge section, and 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 I, you know, you can go back every year, and there's always some new trend that they're pushing in TVs, and and I would argue that that you know probably more than half of those TV trends never actually come to to be, right? I mean, remember like 3D TV? Yeah, 3D that, that, TV that worked out really well. <laughs> yeah, there were like curved TVs one year, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like there, there's always something different. I mean, the the only reason why I hesitate on that is because like. Resolution always does seem to get interest. Like, like even you know, I remember people laughing about 4K TVs, and yet now that is kind of a thing, right? It is, and yet it isn't. I mean, you know, yeah, you can. That's one area where Netflix and Amazon have supported yeah. it pretty aggressively. Um, but otherwise, yeah, you can get it on DVD, and the, mm-hmm. there are various other content sources out there. But cable, satellite, they really haven't done anything about it. There is a technology to allow over-the-air broadcasts. We'll get to that in a bit. Mm. But in a large part, 4K has become sort of like the the automatic free upgrade. I mean, if you, <laughs> if you buy a set bigger than – certainly bigger than 50 inches, it's probably going to have 4K resolution even if you never use it. Right. Which, you know, maybe a year from now, every smartphone you buy will have 5G in it even though you won't be able to use that uh, <laughs> outside of, you know, depending on where you live. Um the essential dynamic here, I was reminded of this, going to, of course, Costco Sunday night, where the first thing you see once you walk in is this the TV section. Yep. And it's full of all these sets that three years ago would have cost many thousands of dollars, and now almost all of them are under a 1000 bucks. Yeah. And the TV industry is trying to not wind up in that corner of Costco. They want right. to have some premier, premium product that they can sell extra. But... The components keep getting cheaper, and so they all wind up in that corner of Costco. You know, there will always be the luxury lineup of products, but the mass market, that's where it goes. But but didn't we learn last year at CES that that, uh, with smart TVs, the TV companies are are hoping to make up the difference in data? That's the next thing we've got to get to. So, yeah, (laughs) let's talk TV privacy. This was interesting to me. Because since last CES, there's been much more awareness of how much data TVs collect on what you watch, the apps mm-hmm. you run. And so they can suggest things to watch. I mean, I personally don't <laughs> – finding new stuff to watch is not a problem given how much <laughs> right. debt I am on many TV series. Uh, and, of course, you know, aggregate all this data and sell it to advertisers and use that to subsidize the price of the TVs. So of all the connected TV vendors, the only one to allude to privacy concerns in any major way was Samsung. Hmm. And what they said is, you know, they're, they're going to have a privacy choices app that will, uh, at some point this year, it will make it clear what data is collected about you and give you more choices about the collection hmm. of that data. Uh, the only other detail I was able to get out of the company is they will ship this for connected sets. I don't, I don't want to call them smart TVs. Right. As far back as 2015. And that's it. Don't know what it does, what it'll look like. I couldn't check it out on their exhibit on the floor. Huh. And nobody else even mentioned it, LG, Vizio, TCL. There was no real discussion of privacy, and I asked them questions. You know, are, are you looking at any changes in your interface? Vizio, you think, 
would because yeah. they got fined $22 million bucks by the Federal Trade Commission in New Jersey yeah. for a dark pattern interface that just completely concealed what was going on. So compare that to what we heard from Google at Google I.O. last May where they said, you know, we are doing things like federated learning to keep more of your data on the device and ship mm-hmm. less of it up to the cloud so we can, you know, we can still run our business, but we are going to take less of your data to do it. Right. Uh, whereas the phrase data minimization, that, that is, you know, you sure didn't see anyone talking at length about differential privacy on a CES stage. Mm. Interesting. Um, so beyond TVs, what else was, was kind of you know, big? I got another one other thing about TVs that we didn't oh. hear much about, which is a broadcast technology upgrade. ATSC 3.0, there's a mouthful, Advanced Television Systems Committee. Mm -hmm. Uh, One thing it'll allow is over-the-air 4K broadcast, which there you get something to watch in your 4K set for free. It should also allow better over-the-air high-definition reception, which if that helps more people cut the cord, gives them more choices, that's great. It'll also allow a little more targeting of ads because it is essentially a data medium Mm. one way by default. People may or may not care about that. I mean, it's you do have to look at this in the context of everything else around you. You know, I don't watch that much TV. Uh, thanks to CES, I actually have watched more TV so far this year on airplanes than in my own house. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, you might say, "Who cares what I watch?" Let's look instead about all the tracking that Facebook does, or all the uh, Alexa's uh, Alexa devices I have around at home. It may be that people are just not going to shop according to this. I don't know. Interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, so, so what what else was kind of big at CES this year? So, otherwise, you know, there was no big product. Everyone says, "Did you see anything amazing?" And right. you know, sometimes I'll be snarky. Yeah, my boarding pass for the flight home that was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's the usual gamut of random. Uh-huh. connected home products where, where of course no one can actually give you a straight answer. How long will this be supported with security patches? Right. Um, you know, what sort of, you know, did, did you red team this? You're, you're not, I tried to get an answer on the show floor with a security professional a couple, a couple of years ago. It was a hilarious story to write, but it didn't actually teach us much about <laughs> which companies were on the ball with security. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, I've, this is something I've been thinking about in terms of, is there a way out of this? And in the connected TV space, you know, Roku has been putting itself forth as let us make the OS for your TV. Let us be, they started off as the Switzerland of streaming media players. They also mm-hmm. want to be the Microsoft of smart TVs. Hmm. And it's not a crazy idea since they at least, you can turn off some of the ad targeting in their, uh, their Roku software, although apparently it doesn't work super reliably. Amazon's are making the same pitch, and they, of all companies, have a really simple privacy interface, which I didn't think to check until I got home from CES. Uh, go to your Fire TV stick or whatever, open the settings app, click to the right, choose privacy, and you can turn off those three options. Hmm. Uh, and they're working on getting more set manufacturers to adopt that. So companies whose business it is to develop operating systems, that's their full-time job, that may be one way out of it. Because, yeah, a company like Samsung, they, they've got their OS based on uh, Tizen. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of their stock in trade. But 
you know, maybe software outsourcing is the way to go with this. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. That, that could be sort of change the market, certainly. Yeah, I mean, it's something I will keep in mind the next time I buy a set, which since I want, right. one, want one with this new broadcast technology on board and I don't want to pay, you know, $8,000 for a high-end 8K set, I guess that's not going to be until next year. Right, right. CES just saves me money. I go there, see all the new stuff that's coming out a year from now, and I come home and don't buy anything. Yeah. Well, and then another technology that always has a a big presence at CES and um, always feels like, you know, the next big thing that never actually is, and and a friend of mine was insisting that that this year or, you know, the end of 2019 was was finally going to be the the year of VR. uh, anything anything happening in the VR space? I didn't hear much. No, no. That That's something I think, you know, VR looks neat. It's cool, but you are strapping a computer to your face. There, There's not right. that many places where you can enjoy it. You know, a year or two ago, Samsung had this uh, VR exhibit where, I mean, it looked like an outtake from the movie WALL-E. It was this <laughs> sort of fixed roller coaster ride where you'd put on your VR headset and it would shake and rattle and roll and you'd see this on the concourse. Uh, walking into the Las Vegas Convention Center, uh, and yeah, not so much. You know, I yeah. think people have seen that there there aren't a whole lot of, you know, ventures like Google's Daydream. Uh, Lenovo had a VR headset. They're not talking about that. You know, people, you know, folding computers. Lenovo had a folding laptop that they showed huh. to me, and they swear they worked on the hinge really well. <laughs> and it's not going to be like the Galaxy Fold from Samsung. And I'm like, let somebody else buy it. I will right. sit this one out. Yeah, that's that's one of those ones that I, I would wait a few generations <laughs> before. <Yeah. laughs> before I, I've buying done it enough too. unpaid beta testing in my life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I I did see a couple of people kind of saying that like there weren't any really big announcements out of CES, and and there were some questions about whether or not that's you know is that does that matter right? Because historically there used to be sort of big announcements, and and a lot of big companies would wait for CES and use it for their big announcements. But that that seems to have changed. Where I mean, especially with the larger companies, they all kind of have their own big events. Um, yeah, like the flagship products. I mean, Samsung announced some PR genius there decided they should drop this press release the Saturday before CES started, like Saturday night, hmm. news dump time. They'll, they'll introduce their next Galaxy smartphones, not at CES, not at MWC, Mobile World Congress in Barcelona in February, but uh, I think second weekend in February. Huh. So, but what's, I don't know, you think about major singular products like a product that you'd call the, the iPhone, the mm-hmm. whatever. That hasn't really happened in a while. You know, categories of products. Digital TV had its big launch in 1998. Mm-hmm. Uh, the DVD was, whenever that came around, I'm so old, I can't even remember that. <laughs> uh, you know, certainly 3D TV sort of had its launch. And you see these waves of products come and go. Uh, you can see the ones that launch and don't go anywhere. There's a whole... There's got to be a very long Wikipedia entry just devoted to things Microsoft announced at CES that went nowhere. <laughs> they would they would have the opening keynote. You would see at least one demo not work in practice. There'd be a celebrity guest appearance. They'd announce some new platform for, uh, you know, the auto PC for your car or mm-hmm. tablet PCs or smart displays or whatever. A bunch of companies would adopt it. It would not sell at all, and that would be the end of it. 
<laughs> yep. <laughs> well, that's that is part of this industry, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and now you know there, there's Microsoft is a different company. They're they're doing yes. lots of interesting work. They're um, you know they're not trying to innovate entirely new factors of computing, which is fine. The only right. one that's really come around is smartwatches, which is really Apple alone. Right. Yeah, I, I still don't understand that. This is potentially an aside, but like, I still don't understand why nobody else has been able to create a, a decent smartwatch. And I, I, I'm saying that wearing an, an Android. Uh, oh, you're the one who bought one. Exactly. <laughs> I am the only one, and uh, uh, I had I had had an one of the the early generation Android uh, smartwatches, and I actually I it was like. It's frustrating because it's close. Like there's, there are some things about it that are good and some things that aren't. And I, and I stuck with it like way for a very, very long time. And then I finally upgraded because people said that like the, the next generation had fixed a bunch of things. So I was like, all right, finally, like they've, they've got the little things worked out. And I, I've had this one for about a year now and it's not, I like, I could have stuck with the old one. It, it sucks in just the same ways. Yeah. I, I remember trying one. I immediately got the use cases of like message triage. Do I need yeah. to look at this? Do I not? Uh, you know, if you're looking at directions, if you're like uh, biking yeah. or running or whatever, uh, one issue from what I've read of, uh, coverage of, uh, Ron Amadeo at Ars Technica, who is the best Android reporter I know, uh, the chipsets, Right. Apple makes its own chipset for the Apple Watch, and it's really good because it has to be good. Uh, all the uh, Wear OS, formerly Android Wear watches, have to rely on some Qualcomm chipset that is yep. bigger than it has to be, inefficient, bad on battery life. And Qualcomm, they've got this whole huge business of providing chipsets for pretty much every smartphone in the, the Western world. So why should they care that much? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, that could be it. Um, but even like just on the software side, it just doesn't function. I mean, I do, I do like the fact that basically the watch allows me to keep the phone, not pick up the phone so often. Um, and, and I've gotten the watch to the point where like notification wise, like useful notifications get through and everything else I do yeah. later. Um, and I find that handy, but it's, but even that is a little funky and like, if I were to break this watch and have to get a new one, I have no idea how I would go get it back to that stage. <laughs> right, yeah. I don't know what I'd tell you there. Yeah, yeah. So I, I've been amazed at that, you know, I mean, it'll be interesting. I guess, you know, Google bought Fitbit, and I imagine that they'll all sort of merge stuff together. Um, but um, assuming they're allowed to buy Fitbit. <laughs> right. I mean, I guess that hasn't concluded yet, has it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm still amazed because I, I am one who believes like a good smartwatch is actually valuable. And I, I just, I'm, I, I don't use Apple products. So like the Apple watch hasn't made sense for me. So, but, but everyone swears that's the only one that actually works and who knows. Um, yeah. <laughs> I hear you. Um, and then, so now the other uh, big tech topic that I heard a lot of hype going into CES about, and I'm curious about your take on, is 5G. And you mentioned that briefly earlier. Um, yeah. So this is one where I, I've, I have the advantage due to some work coming away from extra places in the last quarter of last year to spend a lot of time immersing myself in this technology, mm -hmm. uh, which includes uh, I've been testing out one 5G phone a little. I've been carrying around some 5G hotspots from Sprint and Verizon 
looked at coverage maps, read on coverage, plans for coverage expansion, and the industry really needs to stop talking so much about 5G. <laughs> if they keep piping it up, they're going to drive right into the trough of disillusionment because yeah. the version of 5G that can do the amazing things people talk about, the gigabit per second downloads, the really low latency, is millimeter wave. And that is some balsa wood bandwidth. You know, it does yeah. not go inside buildings. It can have trouble going through trees. It can go around corners. Uh, if you look at the coverage maps that Verizon has posted, you know, you'll first see this overview of like DC where it looks like, oh, they've got down all these dots over downtown. Mm-hmm. Zoom in and you see it's individual parts of individual streets and intersections. Mm-hmm. And I've walked some of these with this hotspot in my hand and most of the time it does overlap. Sometimes it doesn't. You only get a 4G signal. Hmm. And this is just me walking. If you're if you're in a car, you might lose the signal that much faster. Um, Sprint's hotspot is a little better, but it doesn't use millimeter wave. It uses their existing 2.5 gigahertz spectrum. Mm-hmm. It's also not as fast. Right. Uh, the 5G that AT&T and T-Mobile are now selling, unlike the millimeter wave 5G that AT&T is only selling to business customers, uh, my friend Sasha Sagan at PC Mag, another reporter. I hope your listeners follow on anything related to the wireless industry. He calls that more like 4.9G. <laughs> so, is this going to change everything? No. Um, right. Is it going to be the fourth industrial revolution? No. Uh, and I, I should note that these two hotspots I'm looking at on the floor of my cluttered home office, I didn't bring either to Vegas because Sprint's network isn't active there, and neither is Verizon's. Right. And also, they're, they're like. How would I describe their size? They're they're like the size almost of an old uh, first generation personal digital assistant, by, oh. by which I mean a Newton or let's right. go even older school, a Sony Magic Link. I watched the documentary General Magic uh-huh. on one yeah. of my flights out. That is great. That really oh, took me back. Okay, I saw I saw that when I. I traveled over the holidays just to visit family, and, and I had seen that that was available on the plane, but I did not watch it. Oh, watch it. It's so good. It, okay. it, it, it's quite the nostalgia trip. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure it is. I was, I was definitely interested. I had a few friends who worked there way, way back when. Um, but um, interesting. I will have to check that out. Um, so, yeah, the, the 5G thing... It seems like I, I don't understand why everyone is so focused on hyping it, or even like AT and T, the point of lying to people and telling the them five G E, right? Yeah, that they're yeah, yeah. That's five G E. They have five G plus. There's so many jokes. I can I have a panel to do about five G in a couple of months where I'm just stockpiling punchlines about the different names you could have for five G that isn't really five G or is five right. G. And then, of course, you have the, the cable industry in their 10G. Yeah. That, why didn't they go to 15G? They're going to get <laughs> right, exactly. this rate. It becomes the, yeah, how many blades on <laughs> your razor. Uh, um, yeah. I, so, I, yeah, I don't understand. I don't understand why the industry is hyping it. And it, it does feel like CES, you know, I mean, they talked about it up last year. And it feels like, again, there was at least some hype around 5G. And it's, it's just it's going to be worse at MWC. Uh, yeah, you know, oh, yeah. Maybe that'll be a little bit better because most of the rest of the world isn't doing 5G over a millimeter wave. They're they're using right. mid-band spectrum, which from what I've read, that, that could actually be the happy medium where it is fast. It mm-hmm. has enough capacity. You could provide uncapped residential broadband. 
Because from my perspective as a consumer tech writer, that's what I care about. Yep. I don't actually need gigabit downloads on a phone. What am I going to watch on that screen? <laughs> Do I care if I download, uh, you know, the latest update to Google Maps in two seconds instead of five? But 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 Rob, haven't you heard it'll allow for for remote surgery? <laughs> it's like the example <laughs> I always hear. Remote surgery, driverless cars, and of course <laughs> yes. the 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 robot the robot surgeons will be in the back of the driverless cars exactly. at some point. <laughs> I mean, like you know, I mean, I'm I'm joking around, but like what I do find interesting is is in theory having universal real broadband anywhere and connectivity anywhere could open up interesting new applications. And and it is kind of hard to you never really know like which applications um will come about because of that. So I am I am vaguely interested in that, but like it feels like the the level of hype and just misleading crap uh yeah. about 5G um to me has been really frustrating. Yeah, no, nobody's doing themselves any favor favors with this. Uh, you know, in terms of wireless stuff at the show, which was worth noting, you know, Wi-Fi 6 is mm -hmm. getting built into a lot of stuff. And that's a boring update. It, it's got a yep. number so you can understand it better than 802.11abxgn, <laughs> whatever it is. Um, but faster, more reliable home Wi-Fi. That'd be great. Like right yep. now, this laptop I'm in front of me, the desktop in front of me, they get my home Wi-Fi network pretty well. The iPad to my left sometimes does, sometimes doesn't. I don't know why. I'd like to not have to think about that so much. Yeah, I know that feeling. Um, was there anything, because I, I didn't hear anything coming out of CES about this, but I've heard this from a couple other sources. Like, there is some interest now in, in the idea of, like, um, you know, satellite broadband, low Earth orbit stuff actually coming real after many years of it sort of being a fantasy. Um, did so you see I anything there? Not at CES, but actually when I was at uh, Web Summit in Lisbon in November, one of the talks I heard was the uh, CEO, I think, of OneWeb, which is one of these satellite yep. broadband companies. And the idea is essentially like like Iridium, but for data and not doomed. Right. So, <laughs> so OneWeb... Well, and they're, and they're, just, just be, because we're old, uh, yeah. for people who don't know what Iridium is, because I would imagine there may be some listeners who don't... Uh, Google it up on the Wikipedia. <laughs> yes, yeah. Iridium was a incredibly expensive and an ultimately doomed um, satellite phone project, basically, um, that that was... Uh, I, I don't know how to describe how incredibly... Uh, the phones were gigantic. Remember, they had this antenna that you would sort of rotate out from the body of the phone. And yeah. But by, by phone itself, we're talking like, you know, the size of the 1980s brick phone that Gordon Gecko used on the beach right. in the movie Wall Street. But but it would allow you to make a phone call from the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Yes. <laughs> that, was, that was like it's, it's one claim to fame. for the like, Indian Ocean, yes. Yes, for, for the two people who would need that. <laughs> and, and you would pay ridiculous sums for it. And the satellites kept breaking and were incredibly expensive. So, like, so we are living in a different world and, and for a variety of reasons. But like – and that was not – those were geostationary, I believe. Um, like no, really lower was lower th orbit. So oh, it was low Earth orbit. Okay, yeah, so. yeah. So that you would have, I mean, they had to sort of keep this constellation of satellites up. What's right. changed since then is launch costs are way down, thanks to SpaceX, right. basically, and the other private space vendors. Uh, and so you have OneWeb, which already has, I guess, dozens of their satellites up. I, yep. I have to check my notes from Web Summit. 
and SpaceX is launching its own constellation, and that's yep. going to be in the hundreds. And so you will have satellites that are close to the ground, so you won't have this crippling latency delay that right. makes a lot of interactive applications hard. You will have good bandwidth up and down. It should be reasonably priced. It will cover much more of the world, and including yep. in higher elevations, the, the geosynchronous yep. satellites. They're good for you know stuff close to the equator and most of the way up, but if you've ever tried to, like, you know, if you happen to be flying from the U.S. to Asia and you're going over the North Pole and you're, ha- you're working on a story, not a hypothetical example, you'd <laughs> better file it before you get too far up into Canada. Otherwise, right. you will have no bandwidth. Yeah. And, and I mean, beyond launch costs going down, like the actual cost of the satellite has, has dropped significantly as well. And, and you know, the, the truth is satellites don't last very long. And when they're really, really expensive as they were with Iridium, um, that was a problem. Whereas now, like, I mean, there are companies that will make, you know, satellites that, that cost in the hundreds of dollars rather yeah, than yeah, nano satellites. They're a thing. Yeah. Rather than the millions, uh, many, many millions of dollars. And so like the whole cost per, uh, profile of, of setting up a, a satellite based internet system has completely changed. And, and I think that's a really, really interesting area to explore, but it's interesting that that wasn't really discussed uh, yeah, I could have missed it. You know, the, yeah. the nature of CES, yes. to, to get this across to the listeners, you know, that you have, first of all, it's not even in one place. Right. There's the Las Vegas Convention Center, which consists of three giant halls, each of which is large enough to assemble other convention centers inside of them. Yep. One of them, the South Hall, has two levels. Uh, then you have the Sands Convention Center, which, because Vegas is a city that solves for inefficiency, distraction, and... Uh, unhealthy behavior of various sorts. There's no easy way to get from the sands to the LVCC. You can walk on streets that are amazingly pedestrian, unwelcoming. Yes. Uh, You can ride a bus that will take like 40 minutes. You can walk the wrong way to take the monorail because it doesn't stop at the sands because Sheldon Adelson didn't want to pay for it. Right. Uh, And then there's other exhibits that are offsite further down the strip. And and all these tech companies schedule all these events as if – uh, you know, the Washington Metro, <laughs> New York City subway, we're underneath the strip. It ain't, folks. And yeah. so it's just maddening to realize this traffic is never going to get better. This is an hour of my life. I will never get back. Yeah. And the bus won't even just let us off a quarter mile early. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I yes, having so experienced you, you that. just miss stuff all the time. Like I, I walk through part of the sands, which is where a lot of the uh, the smart home stuff, smart kitchens – uh, a lot of the robotic stuff just didn't have time to get to it. Uh, right. I did walk through all of almost all of the LVCC, the, the three big halls. Mm-hmm. Uh, the basement of Sands is Eureka Park, which is the real kind of freak show into CES. It's all these random startups from around the world. Yep. Like a, a third of it is France alone. <laughs> it's neat <laughs> yes, stuff. I, I've seen that in the past. That is interesting. Yeah, Le French Tech is c'est magnifique. Um, <laughs> it's cool. It's a huge time suck, and I only had time to wander through a little bit of it. Did you see anything interesting? Mm. Yeah, it's Here a, and it's, there. It's always such a crapshoot. I mean, because it, it's not only – it's all these startups, and they have sort of very tiny booths, and, and it's it, you're just sort of wandering and hoping something catches your eye. Did you, did you see the um, internet-connected potato? The the one that was a, a, a joke. No, I wish I had. Yes. But yes, that was a good bit of CES performance art. Yeah. Someone someone uh, got a booth in Eureka Park and showed off a, a supposedly internet-connected potato to sort of 
yeah, just sort of uh, making fun of the the entire concept, but uh, I thought it was kind of clever, <laughs> um, especially in an age where somebody just sold you know artwork of a, a banana, oh, yeah, the duct banana tape to the a duct wall. Tape. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, it's goofy. Yeah, I will say one thing that I saw, you know, continued attention to, but also a demonstration of the the problems of turning something into a shipping product, self-driving cars. Uh-huh. Yeah. Everybody's got their exhibits. And for, I guess, the last two, three years, Aptiv, this company in a partnership with Lyft, yeah. has been giving self-driving rides. And I've been trying to get it to appear in my Lyft app. Yeah. Uh, and then... Finally, Thursday morning, I had to get from the Sands to the LVCC. I, I walk out to get to the shuttle bus, see this self-driving B&W pull up. I joke to the guy next to me, I wish I could get a lift to the LVCC in this thing. He's like, that's what I'm doing. I'm like, can I join you? Wow. And so just hop right into this thing. And so, yes, the car did drive itself, but only in certain circumstances. So we, first of all, there were there were two people up front. The self-driving car needed twice the number of warm-bodied people. <laughs> the driver who's not supposed to talk to the passenger. Really? And this other person is sort of like the observer, I guess, and in this case also like the tour guide ah. uh, to explain what was going on. So first the, the tour guide said, well, we're not allowed to self-drive in private property, so we won't activate the system until we pull out of the lot, the sort wow. of entrance driveway of the sands. Pull out, get onto the, the mercifully uncongested road going east-west. Car's driving itself. Very cool. Guy's got his hands off the steering wheel. Looks great, no problem. Make a left onto Paradise Road, which is the one that runs yeah. north-south by the convention center. And, of course, the traffic starts congealing, getting slower and slower. I look up, the Las Vegas monorail is scooting by. I'm like, yeah. well, of course. Look up again, I see the Goodyear blimp, realize that's going faster than us, too. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, we're just crawling in traffic. And it's like, yeah, me and this other guy, we, we have things to get to. And the, the people in front are like, well, we, we can't actually let you off on the street. Uh, we, we'd have to find a parking lot. But first we had to get to the right lane, and that's when the tour guide explained, well, we're going to have to take over because the car is not going to chance that. Otherwise, it'll stay in this lane. I'll try to make a U-turn <laughs> half a mile up, as in like 45 minutes from now. Oh god! So we had to override that, pull into the right lane, and then finally drop us off in this parking lot like two blocks from the LVCC, and we walked the rest of it. Wow, that's that's a good story. <laughs> yeah, I, I owe a story on Smart Cities uh, for a trade pub magazine, so that, that's going right in that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, it's the more I see people hype up self-driving cars and then suggest, but it would really work well if you had roads only for them. I'm like, you're yeah. talking about trains. Yeah. <laughs> self-driving trains, which you know what? They exist in, in of all places, not so much the U.S., but those workers' paradises of, like, France and Spain, where they have yeah. entire metro lines that are self-driven. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, right, there is a slight difference, right? You you can have more variability in terms of where yeah. they go. And, you know, not everybody has to go in the same, you know, direction at the same time. Um, so in, in theory, I could, I could see. But, yeah, it does feel like I've had more and more people – you know, trying to, to tamper down the, the expectations of self-driving cars lately. Yeah. And so that the thing um, I wanted to see but didn't catch sight of is this construction that Elon uh, Musk's The Boring Company is doing underneath the LVCC and this gigantic expansion on the other side of Paradise Road, right. which is going to be like a one-mile non-hyperloop, where at first it was supposed to be uh, the, these 
16 passenger autonomous electric vehicles but now it looks like it'll just be plain old teslas that only carry four people and there'll be this tunnel from one to the other and you will get from one end to the other quickly which you sure can't do on foot right now right but it's looking less and less like this sort of right hyper tech transportation system and more like electric cars in a tunnel which is not really <laughs> game changer could be a game changer in cs traffic uh, we'll see how it works out right right well will they make a tunnel from the lvcc to the sands that would be <laughs> yeah can, can we extend this to the airport too while we're at it yeah uh, <laughs> yeah i mean yeah a tesla only tunnel <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm sure he would be willing to open it to other electric vehicles. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, no, that is it is interesting. Um, so, was, was there any any? We always try and touch on on sort of policy related stuff. Was there anything policy related that came out of this year's CES that you that you noticed? So the, there was this privacy and security discussion where an Apple representative showed up, and unfortunately I did miss it because I was in the middle. I either had a panel to do myself at the time or I was a mile out of the way or on the other end of the convention center, which is as good as being a mile out of the way. Right. Where, you know, Apple's rep uh, defended, you know, no, look, we want to help law enforcement, but, you know, we can't defeat the encryption on our phones just because right. a law enforcement agency asks us nicely. Uh, there was another one where uh, Gary Shapiro, president of the Consumer Technology Association, the Arlington, Virginia trade group that runs CES, uh, was talking with the uh, chairman of the Federal Trade Commission, and there was some joking about privacy being a first-world problem, which, well, yeah, it is, but it is also a big unsolved first-world problem. And yes. we could at least not be glib about it. Hmm. Uh, there was Ivanka Trump's appearance. Everybody asked me about that. I did not get to that because... Uh, beyond the fact that uh, uh, Ivanka doesn't really seem able to make things happen in the administration <laughs> in terms of changing policies. Uh, it was at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on Tuesday, opening day, which, like, no, absolutely not. Right. <laughs> Too much right. going on then. Yeah. That, that's the time slot you give to somebody at CES when you you don't think they're actually all that, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean that that certainly got a lot of attention. Um, yeah, everybody's asked. Yeah, and and I'm, you know, there was there's a lot of speculation around the reasoning behind that, and and uh, if you did want to get on the administration's good side, I don't know if you want to wait until after the president gets impeached. <laughs> this seems kind of late in the game for that. Yeah, yeah, it, it was sort of an an odd decision. I'm sure there's some logic behind it, but. Um, it, it seemed to upset a bunch of people in part just because of the, the argument being like, what does, you know, whether or not you appreciate or, or don't, uh, the current administration, um, what does she have to do with technology? Uh, and what does she know about technology? And aren't there other more qualified people who would have been worth hearing speak at, at the event. A, a complaint people have made about the choice of CS keynotes for years, not yes. at least the two years ago, there was this moment of realization, oh, it's uh, it's kind of all dudes. That's a problem, huh? Yes. 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 Which is, I mean, I participated in two panels that were themselves manholes, and had I not been a little strung out by the cognitive load of CES and the holidays, I should have said something about it, and I didn't. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it is... 
uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and this is an issue that the the entire industry struggles with. Uh, yeah. Should do a better job on a bunch of these things. Um, and you know, uh, yeah. I, I don't know what else to say about that other than yeah. It should the industry should do more and should do better. Um, any sort of. Uh, you know, final final wrap-up thoughts? Is there so anything? We talked about privacy, so I'll close with this. HBO uh, sent this mysterious invitation, very Westworld-themed, which if I you know, actually watched the show at <laughs> great length, I would have picked up on more of it, where they, they asked a bunch of questions, you know, in, in the RSVP forum for the dinner. I'm like, why do you care? What is this about? Oh, well, right. you know, it'll be a chance to eat dinner sitting down, which is really exciting at CES. Yeah. And it turns out they, they had used this to sort of read stuff on my blog, my Twitter feed, and then had coached, and the same with the public output of every attendee at this dinner, and uh-huh. then they'd extensively coached the wait staff, and so we had people oh quoting references and punchlines I'd written like two or three years ago, and I'm like, oh my gosh. technically you- not creepy, because it is, you know, it's out there, Google knows it, right. but somebody had gone to the trouble, I'm like, huh, wow. wow, well done, and it was a good thing they were pouring really good wine, so I could sort of contemplate this in a more relaxed state yeah but but, i was like i wrote that four years ago what (laughs) yeah wow that's actually also really fascinating yeah like the the menu was allegedly customized and uh yeah it was one of the goofier things i've ever been to yeah that's crazy yeah i'm i'm wow that's bizarre. So, so that's what you missed at CES. <laughs> though, though, knowing my relationship with, with folks in Hollywood, they would have All right, the big content. That might be- <laughs> <laughs> I would not have trusted them. <laughs> you want to bring a food tester. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't want anyone in Hollywood customizing anything for me, frankly. Um, anyways, uh, wow. Okay. That, that's, that is fascinating. I'm, 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 I'm I'm fascinated, but also glad. But now I, it makes me want to like catch up on the series. So I, I guess it was good advertising after all. Yeah, per, yeah personalized, a, behaviorally targeted advertising at its finest. Yeah, yeah. That's I'm I'm fascinated by that. I want to I want to think about that. It is it is creepy, um, even if it is public information. But it is it is kind of interesting to think about. An interesting idea. Uh, I would have loved to have been at the the pitch meeting where that one was thought up. <laughs> yeah, because it, it obviously the the expense for the food had to been nothing compared to you know the yeah. acting classes. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. All right. Well, um, I think that that about does it. Um, thank you again for for no problem. Always always being. Uh, our our guest for the this the CES wrap up discussion uh, and and I was wondering how it would go this year considering you were the only one of the two of us who was there. <laughs> yeah, um, well, you know, somebody's I'm serving a life sentence at CES. I, <laughs> yes, I, yes, yes. I literally have no idea what it's like to spend that that chunk of January doing. What's life like on the outside? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it was it was it was surprisingly normal. I, I, yeah. I like you were charging your phone every two hours, or yeah, or, or yeah, trying to your, figure your feet out how didn't was, ache constantly from it, right, right, uh, yeah, trying to figure out how I was going to get from one spot to another, and and uh, and and freaking out over all the options being terrible. Um, 
Yeah, it was. It was. I had a nice week last week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mine was all right too. Just a little tiring. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I miss it, and I expect I'll probably be back next year. But uh, it was interesting to see what happened when I wasn't there. So, uh, but again, thank you so much for for you know for taking the time and having this discussion. And I know it's always it's always an interesting one and always interesting to think about and always it's always fun. Kick off the year. Um, and uh, thanks to everyone for listening, and uh, we'll be back next week. To grab a shovel and pick up the tap. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get. To grab a shovel and pick up the tap. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get. To grab a shovel and pick up the tap.